Sweet, thanks Wallace. Um, it's great to be together, it's great to come under the word and to just listen to what the Bible has to say for our lives. Uh, so why don't we pray together as we come to the sermon. Heavenly Father, thank you that um, although this world is messy, this service is a little bit messy, uh, we thank you that you are a good God who loves our worship no matter how we come to you. You love our hearts as we bring them to you. May this passage today be one that stirs us up with love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a few years ago, I was on a bit of a weight loss journey. Um, I joined a gym, which was novel, and I would spend a good 10 minutes on a treadmill before heading off to that most awful of places, um, the, the room with the mirrored wall. Now, John, don't judge me on this, uh, but I find it quite an intimidating place where there are, there are men and women, but to be fair, mostly men, they're watching themselves, looking at themselves, studying themselves as they lift heavy weights and watch that bicep grow and grow and grow. I know uh, some people here love that kind of thing, which is great. Uh, I found it an incredibly intimidating place, but I needed to go. The reason I needed to go was because I was grossly overweight at that point and had to do something about it. Some of you might have seen pictures. Now I'm halfway back there at the moment in life, so uh, we also need to pray for that, but that's a different sermon altogether. See, I was on this treadmill, and I want to tell you a story of what happened. I'd probably got to about nine and a half minutes of running, which hits my 10-minute maximum, and I was, I was sweating and dripping and plodding along this treadmill, and suddenly to my right on another treadmill was this glorious figure. It looked a little bit like Adrian Delport on the front row, but this glorious figure of a man with, with dark hair, with stubble, with a jawline I could only dream of and was trying to run towards but kept stumbling. And he was there. But then I noticed, oddly, he was just looking at me, just gazing at me. And I thought, this is deeply odd. Maybe someone from church. Maybe uh, I need to be more aware of him. Maybe he's not very well. Maybe I don't know what's happening. So I, I was there, and suddenly, I, I just tried to ignore him, but suddenly he said, go on, chap. And I was like, what's he? he's talking now, I've got to listen. Go on, chap, he said, you can do it. I was like, oh, kind of, I don't feel like I can do it, but kind of, but should I just ignore him? And he went, your body is a temple. Well, my 10 minutes was probably up, but I had to stop, even if it wasn't. You can't say that line to me when my body looked like that without meaning to explain what he had actually said. Your body is a temple. Come on, chap. Boiled down. That phrase is not just an English phrase to go, your body is worth looking after, although your bodies are worth looking after. It's not what it's about. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul tells the church, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You're not your own. You were bought at a price Paul says, and therefore honour God with your bodies. Your body is a temple. 
As we continue in John's Gospel, you may have been following our sermons online or caught, caught a good few of them. We see today Jesus speaking clearly to his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. We at St. Andrews want to be really clear. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We are Holy Spirit people because we're Christians. He's not the unknown, forgotten part of God. He's not the embarrassing side of God that this kind of church doesn't like to do. He is the third person of the Trinity, equal with God the Father and God the Son. And if you love Jesus, he lives in you. If you love Jesus, God dwells in you. You see, why is your body a temple? Because that's where God dwelt in the Old Testament, in the temple. And people would go to the temple to worship him because the presence of God was there, but no longer. We don't bother going to Jerusalem and fighting for a temple anymore. Because you're the temple. Running on a treadmill, overweight, looking beautifully at those biceps in the mirror. Your body is a temple if God lives in you. Thank you for reminding me. I said to this gym instructor, clearly uh, he wanted, was actually not bothering about my body at all. He was just touting for personal training business, which he got. Um, and he didn't help me much. Dan, if you're watching, um, I need it again. And Hannah doesn't like me spending the money on that kind of thing because she knows it doesn't go anywhere. But um, we should have a chat. Dan has actually watched a couple of our online services, uh, so he'll remember this story. He's became a friend. We've spoken about Jesus. He doesn't believe yet, but you need to. So uh, keep, keep pushing on with these things, guys. Thank you for reminding me, Dan. Thank you. But this is what it actually means. Our chapter today starts with belief and moves to love. It starts with belief. If you look, you can't look. It's not on the screen because we haven't got there yet, but it might be next week. If you look at the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus says, believe in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. He says, believe in God. Believe also in me. Belief is one thing. Belief in God. Belief in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. As Pete told us last week, he is the way. We need to believe in him. We need to trust in him. But Jesus steps up the game in verse 15. He steps up the game from belief to love. Some of us get this instantly. We know this. But some of us might be slightly frightened, a little bit alien of, of love. We get love between the right kind of relationships. We get love between parents and children and grandchildren and friends even. But love, loving a guy who was around 2,000 years ago, loving a man you've never really met, love is a word that we use a lot, but, but we confine it. We can confine it to what we know, not what we should know. We don't love Jesus in the same way that we love others. Jesus is asking for a unique kind of love. It can be uncomfortable with our cultural restrictions. Talking about loving a man. Loving a man that we, we, we're not courting. Loving a man that we're not married to. Loving a, loving a man 2,000 years ago. Loving a dead man. But when we come to this, we need to pray into what Jesus is actually asking of us. We're to believe. 
We're Christians. But there is a distinct move from the way, the fact, the truth, to relationship. Now there are plenty of verses in the Bible about believing. If you believe, you will be saved. John 3, 16, we know it well. For God's love the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Through belief and faith you will receive salvation. That is true. Acts 16, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. John 5, truly I say to you, everyone who hears my word and believes will be given eternal life. Romans 10, because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And salvation isn't just your ticket to heaven. Salvation is your now. Salvation is your, your lifting up out of this rotten world into, into the perfection of Christ, walking through the valley of shadow and not having to fear evil. But belief is the beginning. Belief is the beginning of the journey of love. It moves us to love. And as Jesus stands in front of the cross, his impending murder that's about to happen in a couple of chapters' time, he reminds them to love. If you love me, then you will get something. Then we will see the full person of God. If you love Jesus, you have access to the Father and you receive the Holy Spirit. The God who is everywhere. The one who's hovering over the face of the waters in creation. Holy Spirit. God Almighty. He will be asked by Christ to dwell in you as a temple if you love him. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, Paul writes. Do you love Jesus? Do you love him awkwardly? Where those traditional Christians find it, those weird Christians are slightly too obsessed with Jesus. Are you that? Do you love him? Because if you do, You'll be filled with the Spirit. Another helper. He says he'll give you another helper. This word parakletos. The paraclete, you may know that from some other translations. The comforter, the counsellor will be given to you. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you and will be with you as a gift for you. But just note at this point before we carry on about the helper, note it's a gift for you and not for the world. Well, this is a hard teaching. We don't like this very much. The spirit of truth is for those who love Jesus. It's the gift that we have. It's the family signet ring passed down the generations of those who love Christ. It's the bloodline. We have him. We know others can have him. We invite others in. It's not a, it's not a no entry to the world, but it is a distinction. The world has been worried about this. The church has been worried about this, a distinction between us and them, but there is a clear one. We're filled with the Spirit. Parakletos is a word in Greek that can mean lawyer. 
who pleads your case as a witness, who testifies on your behalf perhaps. It can refer to a person who, who gives comfort and counsel, where you get those two words for, for the Holy Spirit, comfort and counselor. But also it can be a person who gives strength in times of need. It can refer to a person who comes at the moment of aid, for someone who's in danger. The literal meaning is someone called in to help the emergency service. But it's the emergency service for your life from point A to Z. He's not just there when we need him, but he is there because we need him. The Holy Spirit is a helper, another helper. And Christ was the first helper. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. This comes to my second point in the sermon. The first is remember, we're filled with the Spirit. He's our helper. He's there if you love him. But I want to just focus on that second half of verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now friends, what, do your, what does your mind go to in that moment? Perhaps the Ten Commandments, perhaps being a good person, perhaps all the Christian commandments you know. We like to go to the moral behaviour type commandments. Like don't do that, don't do that. And we should, they are the commandments of Christ. But what's John getting at when he remarks that this is what Jesus said? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. Verse 24, all the way through this passage, John is reminding us, Jesus is reminding us that the commandments following and the loving of Christ, they work together. But the thing to notice is that loving Jesus is not the same as keeping his commandments. If you keep his commandments, that doesn't mean you automatically love Jesus. Loving him comes first. And because we love him, we want to keep his commandments. But what are his commandments? Well, if you look in John and you look for those behavioral commandments, those do's and don'ts, you get two. Two commandments Jesus gave in John's gospel to be a good person. One, love each other as I've loved you. Good commandment, we love it, we believe it, absolutely. Number two, he says to Peter only, feed my sheep. Two commandments to do something, behavior. But if you stretch that out a little bit, you look at the other commandments Jesus gave in John's gospel, we find, I think, the crux of what Jesus is asking for here. You find things like this, the command to receive him, John 1. The command to follow him. The command in chapter 5 to get up crippled man. The command in John 11, rise from the dead, Lazarus. Believe in the light, John 12. Believe in God, John 14. Believe in me, John 14. Abide in me, John 15. Ask whatever you wish, 15. Abide in my love. Receive the Holy Spirit, John 20. Relational commands. These are the commands that are all over the Gospel of John. They're peppered everywhere. Because it is the commandments of the gospel 
that John wants us to hear, to overwhelmingly hear the commands of Jesus to receive, believe, ask, and abide. Receive, believe, ask, and abide. Then it makes perfect sense for Jesus to say, if you love me, you will keep my commands to abide in me. My command is to to abide in me. If you love me, you will stay. If you love me, you will be with me. You will ask me questions. You You will receive the Holy Spirit. The commandments are the same as the loving, but they're the doing part of the love. The command of abiding, of being with Jesus, means that we get the Holy Spirit. Who? Draws us closer to him. The Holy Spirit allows us to enjoy Jesus. We are never to be those kind of of sad, boring Christians who just focus on the Father and Jesus. No, we're to be the joy-filled, Holy Spirit-driven, loving Christians of one another and of Christ. If we love him, we receive that seal of the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean we can't be sad. It doesn't mean we can't have hard times. But it does mean that we are drawn back by the Spirit in his comfort to the person of Jesus whom we can love. We're called to love Jesus. With an echo of the beginning of the chapter, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled, believe. Let not your hearts be troubled. Love Jesus as the God-man he was, as the God-man he is, and the God-man he continues to be. Let not your hearts be troubled, friends. Abide in him. Keeping his commands to abide in him. Friends, as we work this out, I want to just challenge us all Starting with myself, how much do I want him? How much do I want to abide in him? Even though we're awkwardly watching the telly when people sing songs, actually, are we wanting that worship to be something the Holy Spirit draws us into? Because even though we're apart, even though we're distanced, we are not and will never be from the Holy Spirit living in us, apart or distant. And he will stir up our lives using emotion bringing us to him drawing in love and he is our helper but the helper of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I've said to you now friends I've preached on a couple of verses in this chapter and there are many many more as you read this in your own time dig deep into John 14 there's so many things going on let's talk about it ring me, call me, talk to each other talk in life groups but let not your hearts be troubled as we live in this dual reality now for a while in this weird world we're living in if you love Jesus dig deep into the Holy Spirit who is true and fully God let's pray We are not alone. Jesus will not leave us as orphans. 
He's given us the Holy Spirit, the creator of the world. Filled with the Holy Spirit, if we love Jesus, if we believe in Jesus. Father, we ask you to reveal to us what this actually looks like. We know, Lord, from this passage that the the Holy Spirit inspired the disciples to, to, to be taught more and to speak and to remember what Jesus spoke to them. And through that, they wrote the words of Scripture. Through that Holy Spirit inspiring them for a specific job, we ask you, Lord, to to move us to hear your word through the scriptures again, to move us to love you in a whole new way. Challenge us. Dig into our hearts. Rebuke us, Lord. And fill us with joy. Joy, even though lives are filled with sadness in so many ways right now. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Receive his peace. So friends, we're going to move into a time of worship where we'll listen to this song. I want to invite you to stay seated or stand. Use the room if you want to just go stand somewhere else, face another way. No one's looking. And just spend time with your Lord. Jesus is real. And if you stand there before him, offering your love, the Holy Spirit will draw us once again. So take the space as you want it. Listen to these words. And be ministered to by the living God. Amen.